Hey guys, if you got one of these, it's like a real Bible hard cup, co hardcover copy like this. I saw some of you bring them in. Uh, I'm using that laptop, reading off of that laptop, and primarily because I can see it better. And my eyes aren't as good as they once were. But if you've got a real Bible, I'm telling you, grab it right now. Turn to Acts chapter 11. And we're going to look at this series called Momentum. And I'm going to get it started by telling you that momentum really is a thing. Say a thing. Now we know that. You already know that before I start talking. You already know that momentum is a thing. It's like when your team is uh, trying to win the game and you, you know, you got the ball and you want to keep the ball and you don't want to turn it over. And so you want to keep momentum. You know that. We know that. In business, you want to make investments so that your IRA or your retirement funds begin to grow. You want to see the momentum continue. Say continue. We get it. When you're born, man, we start with such a great beginning. Great opportunity and great potential. Somebody feeds us all the time. You know, they, they bring it to us and they, they change our clothes. And if we stinky or smelly, they make us smell a lot better. I mean, it's just great. It's perfect. We have, we have this momentum when we are born. When we come into this world. I mean, it really is terrific. Until one day somebody comes in and shakes us awake and says, Hey, get up. You got to go to kindergarten. I mean, come on now. Everything was great until then, and so circumstances change. So it's elusive to make it, you know, go in the right direction and keep it going, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about today how the church had such a great beginning. I'm going to skip some of this, Acts chapter 11. But I'll fill in some of the gaps with you as we talk. The first 18 verses of chapter 11, I'm not going to read, but it's the part where it's the part where the, where the Apostle Peter, who was Jewish, got together with Cornelius, who was non-Jewish, a Gentile. But they both believed in God. But they didn't go to the same church. Matter of fact, they didn't even speak to each other. How do you build community with people who are not like us? who are not white. Or if you go to a black church, how do you speak to people who are not black? Or if you go to a Spanish-speaking Mexican church, how do you do that, really? How do we build community, that's what we're talking about, like togetherness, how do you do that when people aren't relatives, they're not related, they don't live on the same road, they don't live in the same projects. They don't go to the same schools. They don't have the same family history. We're not all married, white, live in a house. We're not all black, live in the projects. What do you do? How do you build togetherness with people who are not like us? Good question. Say, good question. And they had problems with that in the early church, the church that Jesus started. And I want to start there with you because the church began with Jesus and it had great potential and they had many opportunities like somebody else taking care of them when they were just born, bringing food and shelter, changing their clothes, providing everything they needed. And so as long as Jesus was alive, after the crucifixion and resurrection, they had this momentum that was unstoppable. Maybe your marriage started like, wow, didn't know it was going to be like this. So much fun. 
or I don't know, maybe it was your job, or maybe, maybe it was just something that happened in life where you, you felt like this is what I've been waiting for, and you had such momentum. It was that way in the early church after Jesus was raised from the dead, there were hundreds and thousands of people who were making Jesus' decisions and said, I'm in, I'm in, I want some of that. How do I get some of this Jesus stuff? I want to rub that on me too. And so Acts chapter 2, the book of the history of the church, if you want to read about the church, you can't go to everywhere in the Bible, just go to the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is where the church got started, the church that Jesus started is in the book of Acts. So let's go there. In Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 people that were baptized. The first Jesus sermon, 3,000 people said, yes, I'm in. I want some. And that was pretty cool because these people were, they were Jewish and they had just had Jesus arrested by working with the Roman government and said, we don't like him because he says he's the Messiah and we know he's not. He's just a carpenter's son. We know his father Joseph and his mother Mary, and he's not the one. That's what all the religious insiders said. You, 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 you got to get rid of this guy. He just won't quit talking about himself and his followers saying that he's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one and only Son of God. And so they had him arrested. They had him executed. They had him put in a tomb, but he wouldn't stay dead. Three days later, he is alive. He is risen. And hundreds of people saw him. Not just a handful. Not just a maybe it happened. Hundreds, if not thousands of people saw him resurrected. And so, Acts chapter 2, those same people who said, kill him, they were all cut up. They were all messed up. They were all broken. They were crying. They were on their knees like, Peter, Preacher, tell me, what can I do? And so Acts chapter 2, these Jewish insiders, these religious insiders who had, had been told all their life for generations and generations that you're the chosen, you're my family, you're the Israelites, you're, you're the one I'm going to, from your seed of Abraham, I'm going to create a nation so large you can't count them like the sand of the seashore or the stars in the sky. It's going to be enormous, enormous, great potential opportunity momentum from history and it was in Acts chapter 2 where these people who made a huge mistake and they denied Jesus as the Messiah had him killed until he beat death and said I, I'm not staying in there I'm coming back so you can too and so 3,000 said I'm in 3,000 people who said I don't like you you're not like me you're not Jewish like probably you said the same thing about a white guy or a black guy or a Mexican or a Hispanic or somebody from Afghanistan or some other country. Probably you've looked across the aisle at somebody and looked at them and eyeballed them and said, you don't dress right. You don't think right. You're not right. And we probably made judgments against people because we're all just people. So how in the world can you build community and togetherness in your community? That's my question. How do we do that better? We're not doing such a great job. We're all divided. We really are. And it's a tough one, but it's not the first time. It was a tough one here in the book of Acts as the church began. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people. Acts chapter 4, the next chapter. The second time Jesus 
is preached, 5,000. You got two sermons, two services. You don't have a building. You don't have any leaders. You don't have a band. But you got about eight to 10,000 people who are Jesus followers and just two Jesus sermons. It was a great moment. It was an opportunity that was abundant and momentum had begun. But it is hard to keep. Amen? Yeah, you look at our world today and you look at our church today. And so from Acts chapter 2 throughout all of history, it began, the Jesus church began, it was alive. Just two messages. And it's sometimes uh, difficult for us to understand what happened. How do we drift so far from what Jesus really started? The farther you get away from the flame, you ever been outside on a really cold day? Man, today is terrific. But this past week's not been terrific. We've had a few 20s and 25. But if you've been next to a hot fire on a cold day and you want to warm yourself and it feels so good, it's like, ah, man, I'm cold. My hands are cold. My toes are cold. I'm cold. And you just get as close as you can to the fire and the flame. But the farther that you get away from the flame, the colder you get and forget the warmth of the flame. We've gotten a long ways from the flame. Jesus is the flame. We got a long ways from that last couple thousand years. And it didn't take that long. It only took a few weeks for Jesus and his followers to begin to have problems because there were those who were trying to build community and togetherness and they were different from each other and they weren't helping. They were not helping each other. They were divided and divisive and they were making decisions. Write this down. If you're taking a few notes, fill in the blank. Building community and engaging with people with different backgrounds or religions or heritage is a tough one. I'm Baptist. I'm Methodist. I'm Catholic. I'm Episcopalian. It's really tough sometimes building community in your community with people who have different heritage when it comes to God, the Bible, and Jesus. There's a new group in town. There's a new group in our community, Cynthiana. There's a new group in Harrison County. Have you heard about it? It's everywhere in America and around the world. They're called the Nunners. The last census was taken, and what is your religious affiliation and preference and there's a large group of people today say, I have none. I'm a nunner. Yeah, how do you build community in your community? How do you build togetherness with people who don't believe like you believe, the Bible or Jesus or God or church? How do you do that? They had that same problem. And they had to find some system of working together to build community. And it's not easy. People think about God. Write this down. People do think about God, but how we think about God often differs. That, that's true of today. We think about God, whatever we want to call God, but we think about God not as the Judeo-Christian God of the Bible. We think about God in a lot of different ways. Building community with people and engaging with people who have different beliefs so that we can go and then grow. It is possible. I'm going to give you four ways. I want you to jot this down. 
four ways for these people who think about God, but think about God in different ways in Acts chapter 11. I think that will help us as we read this together. So I'm going to start reading in verse 19, but I want you to think about what I skipped in the first 18 verses. I'm not going to read all that. You can read it later. So Cornelius, who was Jewish, or Gentile, he was an outsider. Cornelius, who was the outsider, who became a Jesus follower, and the apostle Peter, who was Jewish and Judaism, they came together, but it was because God directed them to meet each other. And uh, they had nothing in common other than they both loved God, but then they discovered they both could love Jesus too. So that was the part that started with great opportunity, but it had great challenge for people who were different to associate and talk and have conversations. So now let me start reading verse 19 in the text, chapter 11. After this part that I've skipped, the first 18 verses, this is what the text says. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution... A persecution arose when people who followed Jesus kept talking about Jesus and the religious officials, the Judaizers, said, you got to stop that or we'll have you put in jail. And they did. They put them in jail. And so there was this moment in history in the early church where if you were a Jesus follower, you had to kind of run for your life. That's what verse 19 is talking about. Chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, history of the church. Acts chapter 2, the church grew by 4,000. Acts chapter 4, another eight to 10,000 put together, but they're all assembled of people who are Jewish primarily who came to know that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah, and they accepted Jesus. Verse 19, they began to scatter by the persecution and connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. I'll talk about Stephen in just a second, but Stephen became the first guy as of the Jesus followers who became a Christian and was killed for his faith. And the, Jew, the Jewish audience, the Judaizers, picked up rocks and killed him and said, if you're not going to stop talking, we're going to stop you. We'll just take your life. Verse 20, most everybody who scattered was just talking to people like them. When you go to work, who do you talk to? That's a good question. When you're not at your family Thanksgiving gathering, who do you talk to? When you're not at your Christmas gathering, birthday party, when you're not at your kid's soccer game, your grandkid's soccer game, when you're not with the people like you, who do you talk to? Most of us talk to people who look like us and are like us. Most of us do. So did they in the early church. But it's pretty hard to build community with people in your community who are not like you if you don't talk to them. And so what started out in the early church was we were divisive and selective and, and we did isolate and we did have a bias and a prejudice and I'll talk about that next week, but I promise you that this is kind of how the church got started on the wrong foot was they started talking about Jesus, but they only wanted to talk to Jesus with people who were like them, Jewish, who had come to believe in Jesus. Verse 20, look at verse 20. A few of them, 
Well, it says some of them. Some of them who are unnamed heroes of the faith. Maybe you didn't get a purple heart in the military, but you're a veteran and served faithfully. God bless you. Maybe nobody's going to come and pat you on the back and shake your hand, but there were people like in the military today who come home without any parade, without any recognition. They serve their country faithfully. And there are some in the Lord's army, verse 20, some of them unnamed heroes who don't even get their name in the Bible. They're just kind of regular people like us, men and women who also changed the world because God used them. They weren't preachers or priests or youth ministers or elders or deacons or they weren't in the band. They, they weren't the worship leader. They were just regular people. Some of these people, unnamed, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, instead of just going to people just like them, just looking like them, dressing like them, talking like them, having the same accents and the same language, instead these guys had a different idea. Instead of meeting in your little holy huddle as you gather in church and sit with your friends that you brought, they actually looked around the room and said, I don't know that person. I might want to go and, and introduce myself. These guys took it serious. They went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, Gentiles, outsiders, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus, that God really is for everybody. Nobody is hopeless. It's not over. Jesus changes everything. They really, they bought in. They believed like this is what we're supposed to do. If we, if we surrender all, if we come and become a follower of Jesus, if we're a disciple and not just a church attender, if we're not just going to sit in a white chair and get up and walk away and do nothing, if I really want to do something and change the world, then I'm going to start talking to people that are not like me. Not in my age group, don't have the color of my face, they don't listen to my music. They don't dress like I dress. But I'm going to talk to these people. That's what they began to do. Unnamed heroes. Don't even get your name in the Bible. But you got some people in heaven. That's pretty cool. Say amen. Yeah. Telling them the good news. God is for everybody. Not everybody knows. We got to tell everybody. Yeah, but he drinks. Well, he ought to sober up, but he ain't never going to sober up. He doesn't know he's got a friend to help him. I mean, he does drugs. Well, he's never going to quit doing that. If you don't tell him that he's worth something, it's not over. It's Life still matters. Man, he's poor white trash. Well, that's probably as good as he'll ever be. If you don't try to coach him and help him and guide him and give him a chance, not just a handout, get away from me, buddy. Here's five bucks. I don't want to talk to you, but just go get a burger. That's not going to help. But give him a hand up, man. Say, hey, I'll be your friend. Call me. Here's my number. This is probably not going to feed you very long. If you get hungry again, I'll give you another burger. Come on. Stay with me. I want to connect with you. How do you build community in your community and togetherness with people that are not like us? You've got to care like Jesus cares. You've got to care about everybody, man. It's not black and white. It's not rich and poor. It's not married, single, divorced. I'm clean or I'm sober or I'm not. It's about people. People do matter most. Love God and love people. Amen? Heck, I'm preaching. I'm supposed to be teaching, but I'm telling you guys, it's the truth. We got to get this. We got to get this right if you really want to keep momentum in our world because we're all in trouble. 
and my grandkids and your grandkids and great grandkids with our world is a mess and if we don't get this straightened out in the church it's hopeless Jesus is the only hope and we got to find out how to do the messaging better because you can't just blow down people with a big old water hose and say if you don't drink this you're not going to go to heaven well ain't nobody going to swallow a water hose all at once you got to slow down a little bit Look at verse 22. News travels fast, sometimes good news. Bad news really goes quick. If you did something bad on a school bus, your mama knows the time you got home. Yeah, that's the truth. How'd you find out? Come here, young man. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, news that some unnamed people who were Jesus' followers were telling outsiders who didn't go to church, that Jesus was for them too. News travels fast. And they sent Barnabas, a, a servant and a good, good guy, to Antioch to check things out. They didn't have email. They didn't have telephones. They had to find some way to get there. So they sent a person, a courier, to go and check it out. See what you think. When he arrived and saw the evidence what evidence everybody was dressed up and had on a new suit and drove a new car to church day no some of them walked they didn't have any car some of them needed to take a bath they hadn't had one for a while what the evidence was is that they found people who were messed up who loved God and loved Jesus and they had been changed forever their attitude and their mood and their language. Something's happening here. Like something's going on here. Like what happened to you Buster? It's like Phil Robertson saying. I'm not going out with my drinking buddies anymore. I left that guy in the bottom of the river. Something's happened. I mean Phil Robertson. Go see the movie. The Blind. Go watch it. Go look at his life. A guy who made millions. Go look at him and how he started as a drunk. Go look at his life. When he said his buddies came back to pick him up on Friday night. And he said you're not my buddy anymore. I'm not going with you anywhere. That guy that you met, that you're looking for, is in the bottom of the river. I left him there. And one of those guys in the movie is the guy that came to Phil later, much later, when he was dying of cancer. Phil did his funeral. Phil helped, Phil helped him meet Jesus before it was too late. And Phil said he got that close, pretty close. Don't wait too long. Tell somebody. That's what these guys are doing. They saw the evidence that people who were outside of God, they came to God through Jesus and discovered, look at what it says, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas, he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. A whole bunch. Verse 25. People being transformed and changed by the word of God, the message of God, and Jesus who changes everything. Then Barnabas went to Troas to look for Saul. Saul was the bad guy until he became Paul, the apostle. Saul was Jewish and he was persecuting the church. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught 
great numbers of people. And notice what it says. First time in the Bible. The disciples were called Christians for the first time at Antioch. So Antioch was a crazy kind of place, kind of like Las Vegas. They had every kind of religion. What kind of religion you want? We got one. Just come right up here. It was a place of all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a crazy town, a crazy time, but it was there. They got this message straightened out, and they began to work together, building community in their community with people that were not like them. It was momentum. Say momentum. It was one of those kind of moments. But here's four things to take away before I wrap this up, see if I can do this as quick and teach it as fast as I can. But there's four things. Three of them start with C. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I do this? How do I talk to people that are not like me, that are different? First, put this down. You've got to make some contact with somebody. You've got to make some contact with somebody. By the thousands... In Jerusalem, there were these Jewish people who now came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And that was good. That was momentum. It had a great start. The church that Jesus started had a great start with eight or 10,000 people. But something happened. Persecution broke out. As soon as you start talking to your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or your neighbor about, hey, it just felt like God was in the building today. I wish you could have been there. As soon as you start talking that to somebody else who doesn't see it, who doesn't have it, you get some pushback. They're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't feel that at all. And so even though there were 10,000 or more people who were now following Jesus after Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, by the time you get to Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen is a preacher preaching about Jesus, the good news that God is for everybody, and he ticked off all the Jewish leaders and spiritual insiders so much so that they became a mob. Have you ever been chased to the corner by a mob? The church was being chased to the corner by a mob of people who said, stop talking about Jesus. As soon as you start talking to your family, you know, at Thanksgiving or Christmas or anyone at all that you know that's in your fave five in your phone, they are going to disconnect from you. They are going to delete you. You're not any longer my friend. I don't want to talk about religion. I'm telling you, you get this pushback and sometimes it turns into a mob. Say, mob? We're in, the, we're in the world again. I mean, we see it in the news right now. Israel and Palestine, people fighting one another and mobs of people chasing other people because they're different from them. And it's going to... Be a challenge for us too. You're going to get some pushback, but you have to make contact. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. The guy they killed, the name is Stephen. The guy they stoned to death. The guy they chased to the corner until he couldn't run anywhere else, and they caught him. Verse 51, before they killed him. You stiff-necked people. Look on the screen. NIV, New International Version. You bullheaded people. I don't, know, I don't know how many bullheaded people. I was one of them. I'm telling you guys. God is for everybody. But if you, if you don't change, you are going to be a mob. Chasing everybody who wants to help you. I don't need any help. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. 
And so the mob surrounded Stephen, and he becomes the first Christian martyr. He dies for preaching and teaching Jesus as the Messiah, God's Son, and Savior of the world because he had angered Jewish leaders so much that nobody was safe. I've been fired from two churches. I've been doing this for 45 years. I've been fired twice from two churches by the leadership who said, you need to stop telling everybody that God is for everybody. We have the people that we need already, and they're here. And I said, I won't do that. Now, the conversation didn't come out like I just said it exactly, but that's what happened. And you'll get some pushback, too. And some of the people that you now want to go ride bikes with, they may not want to ride a bike with you again. When you insist that there's something bigger than what they do with their weekends, there's something bigger than what they do with their entertainment. There's something bigger than them. And they need him. They need God. They need Jesus in a relationship. And so that's what happened. Acts chapter 8. And Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. And on that day, a great persecution, a religious persecution. That's, that's, it, it began with churches fighting churches. That's usually how it starts. You ever been in a church where they fight like I just said and they fired a preacher? Had a church split? You ever been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I was in the middle of it. Yeah. It ain't pretty. And it usually starts there. It usually starts in your family. You have a disagreement with one of your children. That's where it usually starts. It starts within your family. It starts within your church. Satan gets involved. You become enemies. And you say, I need an attorney. That's where it usually goes. I quit. I'm done with you. I don't even like you anymore. I don't know why I ever did. And I'm not going to church here anymore. As they walk out the door. It is a difficult thing. But it does happen. And it usually begins inside. What's wrong with your kids right now? Probably started in your own house. The first drink probably came out of your fridge. Probably did. The first joint probably came from your stash. The first pornography probably came from something that you left on your computer. It usually starts inside. But then it moves to the government. And that's what happened to the early church. Rome got involved. After the church was divided, then the Rome, Roman government itself, began persecuting the church of Jesus. And we're kind of at that tipping point right now in our world. We are, all of us. Our schools, education, government, we're all kind of at a tipping point again about how people are going to handle Christians who won't stop talking about Jesus as the one and only way. The Son of God, the Messiah. We're at a point in our world again that we kind of have this pushback, a persecution about what's popular, trending, what's acceptable. And, and we're faced with this same kind of dilemma. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, mourned deeply for him, 
And Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. So first there's persecution and then problems start to arise. And you probably got a lot of problems right now. If you've got a divided home right now between somebody that you're trying to live with or you used to live with, you probably got problems that began to appear that you didn't know were going to be a problem. And it happened in the church by chapter 11. In the early church, they had to scatter because now they were unconfident and uncomfortable and they were unwilling to change. And people were talking with people who were not Jewish and they didn't like that. And so there was this pushback again about religious people and about God and about Jesus being for everybody. And so it was a, it was a difficult time. And uh, everybody was pretty anxious. And it was hard to build community and togetherness in a community where people were so different. And that's what the church faced in the first century. And so verse 20, chapter 11 that we read says, A few good men, instead of just retreating and hiding indoors and not talking to anybody and just being negative and sarcastic and being inward focused, there were a few people, good men and women, some of them decided to make a change. And take a chance. Even, even though there was persecution and problems by trying to do this, they decided, Acts chapter 11, verse 20, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, to everybody. Unnamed people who were heroes of the faith. They started to build community in their community with people that weren't like them. Here's the second C. Christ was communicated when they got this moment and this courage and this help from God they decided that they were going to talk about Jesus if they ever got this chance. Verse 20, part B, some of them began to speak to Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are really good conversationalists. That's why everybody wants to hang out with you. So you go to Applebee's. Or you go to some brewery that's got a new kind of beer. Or you go to a ball game. Because you're a good conversationalist, and people like to have conversations. But if you don't get around to having the right conversation after you've made contact with people who are different from us, then you really didn't score. You can't just go to Applebee's, or you can't just go with your team or your soccer family and just hang out somewhere like Starbucks and say, I'm a community in the community because I drink coffee here. you got to change your mission and your agenda and find a new scorecard. So let me give you one. Four words. If you ain't got enough courage to do this, you're not ready. You got to start here. Sooner or later at Applebee's or with your biker group or with your car group or with your soccer band group or whatever group you got, Four words, do you know Jesus? You have to ask that question to somebody that you care about. Now, you can't do that, like I said, without building some trust. And you can't just preach a sermon and anybody's going to listen. You can't blow them down with some kind of fire hydrant and think they're going to be able to accept that. So you've got to gradually, with time, it's nice to be nice. You've got to buy a few burgers. You've got to take a few bike rides. 
You got to go to a few car shows. You got to go to a few soccer games. You got to go to some PTA meetings. You got to go to the school, wherever kids are at. You got to do whatever it takes to mingle with people not like us, but your mission and agenda and the scorecard for touchdown is getting to the real point. Do you really know who Jesus is? And then you got to be willing to tell, tell your story. Not my story, not the preacher says, not, not what I said, not what I'm going to tell you to say. You need to tell your story about how you figured out like Jesus was for somebody like you. Tell them that eventually. You got to build trust first. So our football team won game six last night. They had momentum 5-0. and They started the season, but they couldn't get the number six, which is bowl eligibility. And they lost three games in a row, but here we go. And so they finally capture a win. Number six. So UK, if you're a UK fan, they end up with an opportunity to play in a bowl eight times, I guess, in Stoops' career and winning his coaching history of Kentucky football, momentum and moments and opportunities. You know where it all begins? It begins by playing the game on the field and players on both sides of the ball developing trust by rubbing elbows and arms and shoulders with pads and difficulty and sweat and spit and tears and everything else it takes to win an SEC football game. That's where, that's where trust happens is you can trust the guy beside you. And you have to win a few and lose a few before you really over time develop trust with people and people trust you. They have to see that that guy really is who he says he is. He's genuine. He's got my back. He doesn't have any other agenda. And when you get to that moment where you feel like we're a team and we have community, we're together, then you can ask that question that I just gave you, do you know Jesus? When you get back to the locker room and everybody needs a shower, before you let that guy or girl go, go ask them. You know, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you how I found out about him. And it wasn't at all what I thought. Jesus really is for everybody. I found that out because he's for me and he's for you too. Begin a Jesus conversation. Christ must be communicated. And God will help you, but he's going to disturb you first. He, he really will shake us or break us before he can actually heal us. If you don't let go of you, who are you, so that you can be more of you, He's going to keep bending and molding, and it don't feel very good. Like, I'm miserable. I've had about enough of this. <laughs> well, let him have it all. All your problems, all your mistakes, let him have everything. Your doubts. Now, when you go in, <laughs> you may get skinned alive. You may feel like, wow, but it'll be the best thing that's ever happened. Just let it go. Drop everything. All your fake and phony kind of nonsense, stop it. We're just people and we're sinners saved by grace and his mercy, no matter who we are. But we can be better. And he wants us to be better so we can help somebody else. That's what it's about. So he'll disturb us and shake us, really confuse us at times, but he'll finally heal us. He'll finally make you better and your marriage better and your family better if you do it his way. A few good men and women had this extra courage and they talked intentionally to someone 
about something besides sports and jobs and cars and trucks and the weather. They finally talked about Jesus. Got it? Say, got it? God love you. Get out there, man. Get out there. Go do all that stuff that you enjoy doing. But when you get out of Journey Church and you get out there, make sure you understand what your real mission is. Not just to get a bigger truck. Not just to get a deer. I'm telling you, not just to get a new motorcycle. Your, the real mission is that eventually, while you're with other people, that you can tell them your Jesus story. That's what it is. Get a new scorecard. Romans chapter 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Man, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Well, listen to him. Listen to him. Change the scorecard. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus will transform your way of thinking. And he'll help you build community with people and togetherness with people that are not like you. He'll start that in your life transforming you first you can't change the, com the community that you're in until god changes you first start there so there's contact and there's this opportunity for us to share christ and then there's conversion that's number three jot that other c down there's conversion i better wrap this up yeah people's life has changed acts chapter 11 again verse 21 the lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. They just kept serving and sharing and caring and going and telling other people in the city and Antioch the good news. And it was creating a buzz that everybody was they were, everybody was hearing about. Like you know, like what's the next what's the next COVID shot and what's the next flu epidemic? You know, we all talk about. The weather and our illness and our health and everything that's trending sometimes, what makes us sick, but sometimes it's what makes us well. Jesus makes us better. And people were sharing this good news, and it was a buzz everywhere. And verse 24, Barnabas, another good man who was enthusiastic, and he became a volunteer, and he joined the team in Antioch, and he got sucked in. How did you get here? And how come you came back? There's a lot of other churches. Some of you came here, didn't intend to stay, but you've stayed. Why? You got sucked in like Barnabas. He saw the evidence like something's different here. That guy, I don't know. He's kind of crazy. But there is something going on. It's a small church. It's a little group. They don't have a lot of people. Why have you come back? Why did Barnabas not go back to Jerusalem when he went to Antioch? It was because he got sucked in. And I say this all the time. If you come here three Sundays in a row, you're stuck. It's the truth. Either that or you came for the wrong reason and you're just waiting for us to give you another donut. I'm just saying. They were pretty good. So this is what, this is what happens when we are transformed and the excitement becomes the buzz of your community where you build community and togetherness with people in your community where you say people matter most, love God and love people. It's simple church. It's not that complicated, but it is hard to do because we make decisions about who we like. You got to stop doing that. We make decisions about who we're going to sit with. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop making decisions about dividing ourselves. We are united. United we stand, divided we fall. 
And that sets up this last one, and I'll wrap it up, and then we'll have communion. Integrity is the bottom line. You've got to be real, guys. You've got to be ready for this. You've got to be a person of integrity and a person who's Johnny on the spot and a person, if your name gets called and you're sitting on the bench and coach says, you're up next, you've got to go in, then you really got to do your best. You've got to really ask God to help you. Verse 22, when the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, that Gentile outsiders were coming to Jesus by the thousands, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind it and in it all, and he threw himself in with them. He got, he got behind them, urging them to stay with it the rest of their lives. He was a good man that way, enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. The community in their community, the togetherness, both the crowd and the fellowship and kinship and family-like environment grew large and strong in Jesus the Master. It, it is possible, and that's how you do it. But you can't quit. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on your husband or wife. Don't quit on your church. Don't quit on your team. Be genuine and solid and supportive and dependable and have integrity. Say amen. amen. Yeah, it's contagious. It isn't easy to find, but it is the real deal. And if we'll do that, be an authentic follower of Jesus, even when it's hard work and it's costly, character still really counts for something. Be a person who has character. Be a sterling example of Jesus' character. Bottom line, build a forever community with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You're not going to build the community with the fancy band, with the fancy clothes, the fancy car, the fancy truck, with the big youth group, with a building that's full of people, thousands of people. You're not going to build community that way. Not really. When the food's all gone, they're going to go home, and that's it. It's over. But to build community and togetherness and a mission together in your community, you need momentum. It is a thing. You need some God momentum. And it starts with you. And so we had a baptism last weekend. And we were scrambling around here because I didn't know how to get the pump out of that tank over there. And the guys that I thought was going to grab that, they weren't available. It didn't happen. But me and Brian looked like a couple of dummies who need a book for how to get the pump out of the baptistry for a moment there. But we figured it out. And we got them dunked. And we got them baptized. And and God was honored and glorified, and it was exciting. And, and, and another person came and rededicated her life and said, I've been baptized, but, man, I've been, I've been a phony. I ain't really been living up to my part of the bargain here, really for years. I won't make things right again. And so they did that, too, and that was last weekend. And then I had a phone call. I got a text message. And I talked to some other people. And there are other people that are talking to me about, hey, you know, I... I'm not really sure about baptism, but I've been thinking about it, and God's been talking to me about it, and maybe that describes you. Maybe that describes you and where you're at. Like, you know, I go to church, but I never really made a personal decision. Somebody might have sprinkled me when I was a baby, and we called that baptism, but it wasn't my decision. Or maybe I got a decision when I was six years old or seven years old, and somebody dunked me somewhere, but I can't hardly remember. Maybe I ought to renew that commitment because I have been very faithful about that commitment. You can, you can begin to become the authentic, genuine person that you always wished you were if you'll start right now. Right now. Hey, this is not about 
finding Phil Robertson. It's about finding Jesus. It starts right now, buddy, sister, whoever you are. Are you ready to be serious? It may be the first time anybody's ever asked you that. Are you just going through the motions, listening to whatever the guy says, it's entertaining, and just go back to work and go back to school, whatever? Are you, are you in? Are you ready? It's up to you before you take communion. If you're a Jesus follower, and if you're not a Jesus follower, you should stick around for a few minutes after this is over and let's talk about it. How can I help you? There, there, we'll, we'll get that set up. We'll, we'll get you up next. Even if you want to do it privately, it doesn't have to happen with anybody else here. It can happen anytime. I need somebody to help me get the pump out. <laughs> yeah, I made a mess of that. Man, I love you guys. Why you would listen to me, it's only because of God. Because, man, I'm just as country and half my life in Texas. I went to Texas, and they all said, you sound like a boy from the hills. I said, I am. I'm from Kentucky. I came back to Kentucky. They said, you sound like a boy from Texas. I said, I am. I went to Bible college after the Army, after the military, and after farming and all that kind of stuff. In my first class where I preached my first sermon, Art Hoven, who was from England, was teaching at Kentucky Christian University. He's dead and gone years ago. But he was my homiletics, how to preach a sermon kind of teacher. And he had me, and he said, okay, boy, it's your chance. Your turn. You're up. And I had about eight minutes, and that's all I knew. I was done in eight minutes because that's all I, could, that's all I knew about the Bible in about eight minutes. I sat down, and you know what the first words out of his mouth was? He said, boy, son, if you want to preach, you better learn how to talk first. Years ago, he thought, there ain't no hope for you. There ain't, except Jesus. There's not, except for Jesus. When you came into this world, like me, you were a lot of trouble. You made big messes. Diapers threw up in the wrong places all over the place. Sick all the time. You came into this world, somebody had to care for you and clean up your messes. Why would anybody do that? Your mama, your dad, or your grandma, or your grandpa, or your uncle, or your aunts, or whoever it was, it was your caregiver, foster care, adopted parents, whoever it was, your neighbor, somebody who cleaned up your messes said something. Why would you do that? There's such a trouble and whoever was taking care of you said oh it's no trouble at all why would somebody say that why would somebody who has to clean up your dirty rear end say something like that because they love you do you know what love looks like it's like cleaning you up when you've made a mess all over the place Nobody else is going to do that except the person that loves you. Why in the world would God love people like us who are a bunch of fake and phony people still struggling with ourselves inside? Oh, it's no trouble at all, Jesus says to Satan. 
because he loves you. That's why. That's the church. That's the Jesus. That's the Bible. That's the communion. That's what I'm talking about. When you take this communion, <laughs> love on God the way He's loving on you right now. I, I wish I'd have hugged my mom and my dad more for putting up with me when I was a lot of trouble. And they told everybody, oh, it's no trouble at all. Pass the communion, guys. Let me say a prayer. God, thank you that I've been able to teach and speak and preach. And it isn't at all about me. It's just because you took over and let me talk. And we got the message that we really do need to build community and togetherness with people not like us in this community where we live. And we cannot do it. We will not do it. We're bullheaded unless you take it away and remove it. There are people watching online that they're home right now because they're bullheaded. They're stubborn, stiff-necked, won't change, but it's not over. God, you love them and it's no trouble at all. Even if from a distance, even online, even where they are, even us in this room, however we got here, whatever we thought when we sat down, may you help us decide to let it go. Just drop everything, all the false, all the phony, and all the sins that we've hidden from ourselves and others for whatever period of time has been. May we let it all go. May we receive your mercy and grace and forgiveness and make us a better version of ourselves so that we can go make contact with people and share this message of Jesus and just be real. May we do, do that together. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your cup, get the bread. Together. Drop those cups in that little plate, that little basket, not the plate, in the basket. And if you've got an offering, put it in a plate. If you've got something to put in a jug, put it over here in the jug, and we'll share that with others. You guys who are home, hope to see you real soon, and uh, hope that you are blessed beyond measure and you are forgiven because of Jesus who takes away our sin, and he takes away everyone's sin. Because of Jesus, Jesus changes everything. See you for part two next weekend. Thanks. You guys are in the audience. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song here with the band. So